Welcome to On the Journey Conversations. Sandy Wisdom Martin is the host. In today's conversation, Sandy visits with Bob Lohman, the Executive Director of Metrolina Baptist Association in Charlotte, North Carolina. He also serves as the Chairman of the Southern Baptist Conference of Associational Leaders. Bob, welcome to the podcast. We're glad you're here. Thank you. Good to be with you today. October, Southern Baptist, we focus on the work of the Baptist Association. Mm-hmm. And I'm very eager to talk about the work of the association because I was profoundly impacted by the work of the association. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, I remember when I grew up in a little country church in Southern Illinois and the director of missions came for a visit. It was like royalty was coming to our church. And the work of the association meant so much. And then when I went to college, the associational WMU leadership team allowed me to have a leadership role. And it was very impactful in my life and helped me to grow and learn and develop as a leader. You know, decades later, I think, why did they do that? I was a horrible conference leader, but they they invited me into their circle and gave me leadership responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And I was incredibly blessed by the work of my local association. Let's talk about what an association is. For those that are listening on this podcast that may or may not know about the work of their local Baptist association, let's talk about that. Okay. Each local association, since the early 1900s, serves a particular geographic area, usually, especially in the South, uh, each association is based in a county. So like we in, in Charlotte, we're in Mecklenburg County, North Carolina. Mostly in the South, that's how it works. In other parts of the country, further out west, up in the Midwest, Northeast, there are larger regional associations, but usually we're local, county, kind of county-wide oriented. And that geographic connectedness really helps us to have relationships on the local level that you really can't have anywhere else. So for, for us in the associational work, we emphasize the fact that we're, we're the closest to the local church mm-hmm. of any Baptist entity, really. We value that connection and we value that closeness so that we can serve pastors and churches in ways that can really make a difference to them right where they are. And that's the good thing about it. We know right where they are. You know, mm-hmm. uh, People at the state convention or national convention may or may not be familiar with that, but, but usually we can tell you where a church is, how long the pastor's been there, what they dealt with last month, if we've heard about that, etc. So there's a closeness in the associational missions that really helps us to be the most effective we believe we can be in terms of helping a church in a prompt way as well as in a a strategically uh, helpful way. Well, how did you first learn about the work of the association? I shared with you my personal journey, but where did you first feel the touch of the local association in your life? Well, that's a valuable story to me because I grew up in Western North Carolina, Cleveland County, North Carolina. Kings Mountain Association was the name of that particular association I grew up in. And I I knew about the association growing up, I guess as any child or teenager would. But after I went to college, our associational leader, Klein Borders is his name, uh, director of missions there, asked if I would serve as associational summer worker after my first year in college. So that first summer, I served that summer 10 weeks in uh, our association doing summer work. And in that association, at least that particular time and those, those days, I did it basically whatever was needed. I did children's ministry, youth ministry, helped around the office, Actually, one year, I ended up doing that all four years of my college experience. 
So by the time I finished college, graduated college, I'd spent four summers of 10 weeks each just doing associational work. And Klein had really, our director there, had really invested in me and mentored me through that process. So by the time I was to the third or fourth summer, I was really sensing a call to that kind of work. Even though back then, late 70s, early 80s, you really didn't talk about being called associational work. You know, you were a home missionary or a foreign missionary, yes. you know. Yeah. But I was really sensing a call to do associational work. And I didn't know what to do with that. But my director there at home told me, he said, well, hang on to that. If that's what God's calling you to do, pursue it. So long story short, actually, after I'd pastored for a number of years, at about 40 years of age, I stepped into that, well, at 40, stepped into that role. And um, it's been a blessing to serve. It all started back when I was a college student and really got to learn what it was like in my home county. So our experiences almost mirror each other mm-hmm. because yeah. of the investment that others made in us. And I would say that's one of the huge benefits of the work of the local association, mm-hmm. investing in the lives of young people. When I got ready to go to seminary, associational leaders took their own resources and took me to seminary to show me seminary. Mm-hmm. And when I graduated college, they sent me to seminary with a love offering and mm-hmm. a garment bag that I still have to this day because I refuse to let go of it, even though I haven't used it in years, mm-hmm. because it meant so much to me. That's they right. sacrificed for me. Mm-hmm. That's right. And knowing that my home church was part of that home association, yes. and there, was, there are still so many connections there that really... There were, I mean, it was just to tell my wife not long ago, how one of the senior saints at my home church, I used to call her Aunt Ruth, which was my, one of my aunt, but I called her Aunt Ruth. She had prayed for me all my life in terms of uh, coming through elementary school, high school, college, when I was doing associational summer work. And she just passed away back oh, not too many months ago, right at age 100. Just those kind of memories from those home influences, really, and in my home association really what sent me on this trajectory now. So, Well, and then you, you pastored. What did the association do for you when you was a pastor? When I pastored, essentially, I pastored in three different areas of our state, all through North Carolina. The first was a small rural association. Basically, I was pastoring in a small town, population 1,000, small town. But the association there, I was still in seminary, and that association really, and that director really continued to mentor me in ministry and help me to grow, answering questions that I didn't get answered in the seminary classroom, you know. Mm-hmm. And then moved to the mountains of North Carolina and pastored there for a number of years. And that was probably the richest time of associational connection because I ended up being the moderator there and led in the association. Essentially, the director there, Dale Fisher, who just retired back last month after 36 years in our home association, in that association. Bill really mentored me in a significant way as a pastor, so that, and several of us really did, because after five of us left that association as pastors, we end up becoming associational leaders. So he's got quite a heritage there, but that's, again, that's just another one of those living through life, living through ministry, really helped through the association, helped to influence me and others toward kingdom work. And then you become an associational mission strategist, mm-hmm. and it is your job to lead the association, to do all the things that you've learned right. about through the decades. Tell me about some of the unique ministries of your association. It's one of the challenges now, and I, I remember I was talking to a pastor friend after I stepped into this role almost 16 years ago. Well, actually, yeah, it was 16 years ago now, in Charlotte. 
And uh, this pastor friend was, was telling me, was basically asking, how can you do this work with churches that are struggling? And, and how can you work with that many pastors? You know, we had a good laugh on that. But being pastors, we understood. Uh, and yet one of the biggest challenges, as well as one of the most rewarding things, I think, is you know, with 80% plus of our churches that are declining or plateaued, that's a significant majority of our churches that are in real need. Mm-hmm. You know, So a lot of my time goes in those church revitalization efforts that cover a broad spectrum of ways we help churches in those kind of situations. And we do church planting, but really for me, especially with the pastor's heart, most of my, I'd say most of my work ends up being in the revitalization area, helping churches revitalize, replanting churches, helping churches merge, etc. But that's one of the big challenges we face. It ends up being one of the most rewarding things so that we can see churches that are struggling recognize that need and that situation they're facing so that they can make healthy decisions about a future for the ministry in that community. You know, and, and it's best, and I really enjoy it, when a church can really revitalize and come back and stay basically identified as they have been, but just in a healthier way. But other times it's, it's just as rewarding to see a church make a, a wise decision, even a hard decision to say, we're going to make this a legacy gift to a church plant. Yes. And then those members join with a new church plant and continue ministry in a, in a vital way in that neighborhood they've been in for some of them for 100 years. And know? that's a great sacrifice. Oh, it is. It really is. And trying try to help them celebrate what God's done. Yes. And then at the same time saying, but let's celebrate too what God's going to do through your gift, through your sacrificial service here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What's been your hardest day when you thought, I think I'm going to throw in the towel? Huh. That's a good question. Well, some of the hardest days are when you when you think you've communicated what needs to be communicated. And you know, they tell us in communication, if you have to repeat something seven to 11 times before somebody hears the first time. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, but even after you've done that, after you've done the seven to 11 times, and then people still don't get it, and people really don't see the, as I would put it, the kingdom purpose behind the work we're trying to do. Um, and the value. And the value of it, right. And, and end up trying to pr- protect their own preferences and try to protect their own things and the ways. Uh, those are the discouraging days, I think. That, as well as seeing when pastors struggle or pastors fall in ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, I've tried to, I mean, I'm moving on up in ministry now in terms of age, but I've tried to remember the lesson I've learned actually from one of my mentors that spoke in my ordination service 30, 36 years ago when he reminded me that, you know, it's, it's good to start well, but make sure you finish well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I yeah. think as leaders, that's hard these days. Very hard. It is. Because you're dealing with so much, mm-hmm. and people will, will take something that you say over here and turn it to something you never intended, and you think, how did you make that leap? Right. It's true. It's really hard on leaders right now. It is. And that's the reality. And then add to that reality, the last two plus years of dealing with the COVID pandemic mm-hmm. and all the difficulties of that. I mean, I've got, remember it was this past year, we normally would have, in a normal year, my time in the association, we'd have uh, one or two pastors retire in a given calendar year. But last calendar year, we had seven pastors retire. Now, most of them were the age to retire, you know, a couple of them were kind of on the edge, but all of them basically were, were saying, as we talked about those kind of issues, it's time for me to step away. Yeah. So there was, and most of them were just completely tired. It's just dealing in the 
the crucible that you're in every yeah. day. Daily, yeah, daily is, dailiness of it. Yeah. yeah, it's tough because it seems to me, it seems to me that we've lost respect for people in leadership and people demand that their voice be heard on everything. Mm -hmm. And you're listening to competing voices all the time. Yeah. How do you as a leader deal with that? That is hard. But one thing I've learned to do is uh, the goal is to make everybody happy. <laughs> Even though I would like to do that, that's not the goal. Like the, like the wise man said, if you want to make everyone happy, go sell ice cream. You know? <laughs> but, um, and then uh, you better have enough flavor. Exactly, that. that's right, that's right. But with, with uh, dealing with those kind of situations in ministry, uh, I've just decided, okay, that there are, and learned, there are priorities we have to focus on. And they're like, with our association, we have a specific mission we are aiming for. And if what someone's asking about fits that mission, then we can talk about it and explore it. Mm -hmm. If not, if it's a peripheral issue or if it's something that's really not something we need to spend time on, we'll just admit that. You know, sometimes I've even learned something with some of our staff. I will, they'll ask me sometimes, do you want to talk to so-and-so about this? And if it's something peripheral and I'm in the middle of a, a mission-focused you know, effort, I'll tell them, no, we, we'll talk about that maybe later, but right now that's not something we're focusing on, you know, so. That's something that we're learning to do better in WMU as well. We talk a lot about mission matters most. Exactly. And we focus on making disciples of Jesus who live on mission. Right. But it's really hard when you've got a lot of people wanting you to do other things. That's right. Right. You really have to know who you are at the core and keep the mission in front of people. Mm -hmm. That's right. We really, I had kind of an important time in my own life in the last year, and we decided to go through a complete refocus of where we are as an association, work with other associations now to really fine-tune our mission, our values, our strategies, uh, how we measure what we do, uh, that vision, close-up vision, as well as the long-distance vision. And... Um, we're really doing that so that we can hone in on what we really need to be focused on. Because the more we go through time, the, the longer time passes and the more time goes by, the more I'm learning, especially at my age now, we've got to be really focused because we don't have time to do everything. But we need to be focused on what's most important. And for me now, for us now, we're really trying to invest in pastors and leaders in ways that help them be who God's called them to be so that when the time comes, they can step into the places they need to lead that they might even be aware of yet. But, you know, this this thing called time keeps passing. You know? yeah. And I've got several years left, thankfully, it looks like. In those years, though, I'm having to really refocus on what's most important for me to be doing so that I'm using time wisely so that my time's up the next people can step in and do the work that needs to be done to help us reach our mission field. We need to use our time wisely, but also all of us are struggling with fewer and fewer resources. That's so right, focusing yeah. on the mission becomes mm -hmm. critical. Sure, that's right. Yeah. That's right. What could the person in the local pew do to support the work of the association? First, pray for their associational leaders. Their AMS, their associational mission strategist, and then any leaders from the local churches that are part of leadership in the association, pray for them. And if they're wondering how to pray for them, call them, ask them, thank, you know, thank them for being in the leadership of their association, and then specifically ask them, how can I pray for you? And what the neat thing about that is, once you start asking a leader that, if they're paying attention, and if we're paying attention, you can really learn the most important things that need to be focused on. Then they can 
offer to help any way they could and lead their church to be more engaged. So one of the things we're learning, especially as leadership generations transition to the next generation, there are a number of our churches where pastors and other leaders in place really don't understand the purpose of the association. So the more we can educate in that, and the is important in terms of missions education for us, but the more we can share those, those mission stories to help churches really get a glimpse of what can really happen on the local level, as well as the national and international levels, the more we can do that, the more the churches, I think, can, can be ready to invest in what needs to be done to reach their mission field. Yeah. My church, the first Sunday night of the month is mission night for us, and we go volunteer at our association. Oh. It has a, a thrift store that they use to fund ministries in the association. They fund medical dental clinics and feed homeless people. Mm-hmm. And so it is a great time of fellowship with our church as we mm-hmm. gather the first Sunday night of every month. Mm-hmm. So in addition to praying, I would challenge people to see how they can be involved in the work of their local association. Mm-hmm. Yes. Ask what you can do. That's right. So right now we're working to develop a new ministry center on the west side of Charlotte with the church we're partnering with in their facility. And as we're looking for some, some strategic ways we can get churches around that area to step in and say, you know, we can help with the clothing closet there, or we yeah. can help with the food pantry, or with the immigration help center, or, you know, how can we really step in to make a difference? And the goal really with that, as well as with our two centers we have now, uh, we'll have this fall anyway, is the goal is to see the churches really embrace the value of the association and come together to do the ministry God's called us to do. One of the things that we are known for in WMU is praying. And I, mm-hmm. I was so impressed with an associational WMU leadership team at one time. They didn't know what to do, how, what God would lead them to do with the association. So they decided as an associational leadership team to go to every church and prayer walk every church in the association. And they would call the pastor and say, how can I pray for you? And I thought that was such a special gift to give to Mm -hmm. every church in the association. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And the more we can build those relationships, those prayerful relationships, the more we can see the mission accomplished. Because relationships are coming out of all that that help us really join together to be servants together. Yeah. I would really encourage everyone listening to think about and pray about is right now there's there are a large number of us in associational leadership that are past the 60 mark. And we're going to see some significant transitions in leadership in the coming five, 10 years. And we really need to have good leaders coming behind us. So two things. One, pray for leaders to emerge that will be ready to lead our associations. But two, for any pastor or lay leader in an association that's not in that kind of role, be praying for themselves. Is, is this a way I could invest in my association mm-hmm. so that our family of local churches can really make a difference where God's planted us? Well, Bob, we are proud of our associational leaders, and we want to walk beside you and to serve well. Thank you for being on the podcast today. It's been great to be here. Paul Chitwood president of the International Mission Board has said, as biblically faithful Baptist churches become more isolated in American culture, I believe the need for those churches to have strong local partnerships will grow rather than diminish. Thus, the greatest days of association work can be in front of us. October 23rd is set aside this year as a day of prayer for associational missions. Call or visit your local Baptist association and ask how you may pray for and support their work. 
We'll see you next time.